Do you know that feeling when you get asked to do something that is impossible? Maybe it happens at work. Um, you have been told that you've got until the end of next week to produce a report, and then suddenly your boss comes and says, oh, actually, I need it tomorrow. And you're just left thinking, how on earth am I supposed to do that? Or maybe um, a family member asks something of you. Maybe they want to borrow some money, and you find yourself thinking, well, look, I'd love to help. That's not possible. I can't do it. I wonder if if you've been with us over the past few weeks, as we've looked through um, Luke's account of Jesus' life, as we've been on the road with Jesus, you've had that sneaking sense of being asked to do something that's impossible. That as Jesus lays out what it means to follow him, to be his disciple, to enter his kingdom, you just think, how on earth am I supposed to do that? Have a listen to some of the things Jesus has said while we've been on the road with him. Jesus says, No one who puts a hand to the plough and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. Jesus said, Make every effort to enter through the narrow door because many, I tell you, will try to enter and will not be able to. Jesus says, If anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife, and children, yes, even their own life, that person cannot be my disciple. Jesus says, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciple. I don't know what you think as you hear those kind of listed up. Maybe you're just thinking, oh, stuff it. (laughs) Who's this guy? Who's this Jesus guy? I think he is asking me to put him above everything else. Personally speaking, I hear that and think, no, I I want to follow Jesus, right? I know that being his disciple, walking with him, entering into the kingdom, that's where life is to be found. But what Jesus is asking, I can't do. I cannot, in my own strength, give myself 100% 100 of serving him. I can't put him above all the other relationships in my life. I cannot give up everything for him. I can't do it. I don't know about you. The disciples, the guys who've been on the road with Jesus, they end up in the same place. Last week, chapter 18, verse 26, they turn to Jesus and say, who then can be saved? If, if this is what it looks like to be your disciple, if this is what it looks like to enter the kingdom of God, if this is what salvation requires, who then can be saved? Who's gonna, who can do that? Jesus replies, what is impossible with man is possible with God. What is impossible with man is possible with God. We can't do it. We cannot do what Jesus asks. We cannot save ourselves. But in Christ, God has come to save us. In Christ, salvation has come. Salvation has come to those who cannot see. First, salvation has come to those who cannot see. Have a look with me at um, page 1053. Uh, We'll start at verse 35. As Jesus approached Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard the crowd going by, he asked what was happening, and they told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. 
He called out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Those who led the way rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Um, I don't know when the last time you were uh, on a tube carriage where someone gets on and starts begging. Have you had that experience? And so the, someone's standing there with their little cup and they kind of start, start doing their little speech. Hi there, I'm, I'm looking for enough to, for a hostel for the night. And everybody else in the carriage is doing their best to ignore them and imagine that there's not a human being present standing there. And so the, the, the beggar is kind of humiliated, right? It's horrible that moment where someone's being completely ignored. Or, or, or maybe, and everyone else is just embarrassed, or maybe they're saying, maybe somebody shouts out, you know, get, get off or, or move along, like whatever. What's going on here isn't, isn't, isn't any prettier than that, right? The blind beggar's not polite. He's not respectable. He hears that Jesus is coming, and he starts shouting at the top of his voice, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And the guys around him are telling him to shut up. Because he's an embarrassment, frankly. But Jesus doesn't see things that way. Wonderfully, Jesus doesn't see things that way. Verse 40, Jesus stopped. Jesus stopped. The most important man in human history. Here's the cry of a desperate beggar, and he stops. He doesn't have to stop. No one's making him stop. No one's going to think any of the lesson if he doesn't stop. He's an important man on an important journey. But he stops. He stops, and he tells them to bring the man to him. And when, his man, when, when, when he gets there, Jesus asks him, what do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you, the the Son of God, the creator of all things, puts himself at the service of this guy. Says to him, I've I've come for you. I'm here for you. What do you want me to do for you? It's not a difficult question to answer, right? Lord, I want to see. I want my sight. And Jesus said, Receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. Well, that could equally well be translated, your faith has saved you. Salvation has come to this man who could not see. Salvation has come because Jesus has come for him. All he had to do was ask. All he had to do was cry out for mercy. And now he's not crying out for mercy anymore, he's praising God for the gift of his sight, for the gift of salvation. Praising God, following Jesus. Salvation has come to those who cannot see. In other words, salvation has come to us. Salvation has come to us. Because without Christ, we cannot see. We have eyes. We might have eyes that, 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 that work to, to show us the physical realities around us. But when it comes to the deepest realities, the truest, most important things, 
we cannot see them without Christ. We're blind. We see that in the first few verses we had read. Here you've got the disciples. They've been with Jesus on the, on the road for years, all day, every day. Jesus tells them for the third time what's going to happen when they get to Jerusalem. He says, when we get there, they're going to torture me, they're going to kill me, and then I'm going to rise. And I've got no idea what he's talking about. They don't get it at all. They're blind, they can't see. And so if you're here and you're honest with yourself, you think, I don't know who Jesus is, I can't. I, I don't know if I can really see who this man is. I don't know what it means that he, what his death's got to do with me. Well, you're in good company. After three years, that's exactly where his friends were. They didn't see. They needed Jesus to open their eyes. So why not pray with the blind man? Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Lord, I want to see. And open your eyes. And if you're here and you do see Jesus, if you see him for who he is, our crucified and risen Lord and Saviour, do you see that that's impossible, humanly speaking, that you see that? It's a miracle, it's a gift that you see that. It's something that God has done for you by opening your eyes. Salvation has come to those who cannot see. And of course, we still don't see clearly. We still don't see clearly. We still lose sight of Jesus all the time. We still find ourselves unsure of where to go, of how to follow. But we don't have to despair because salvation has come to those who, who cannot see. We just have to keep crying out to him, Lord Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Lord, I, I want to see. And he stops. He sees us. He puts, us at, uh, puts himself at our service. And opens our eyes again. That they might be fixed on him. Salvation comes, has come to those who cannot see. And salvation has come to those who are lost. Salvation has come to those who are lost. Have a look uh, with me at chapter 19, verse 1. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. <clears throat> I don't know how much you've been uh, watching of the, the World Cup or how much you've been following the controversy about the World Cup being in Qatar, but but, but the, the, right at the centre of that controversy, the kind of the hate figure at the centre of it is a man called Gianni Infantino, who's the head of FIFA, right? He, he is a little, um, bold man who is part of a de- deeply corrupt organisation hated by normal people. In other words, he's a kiss. <laughs> if, you start, if you imagine Gianni Infantino up a tree in the middle of a crowd of football fans, you've started to get a picture of what's going on here, Right? Zacchaeus is part of the Roman occupation. He's an exploiter of the poor. And there he is in the midst of a crowd that that hate him. He's risking, well, looking like an idiot, humiliation more than that, right? Why? Because he's absolutely desperate to see Jesus. 
He's absolutely desperate to see Jesus and he will do whatever it takes. And then Jesus sees him. Verse five. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. Jesus, the perfect, holy, sinless son of God, looks up a laughable, hated, corrupt little man. And he loves him with a fathomless love. Why? Because that's what Jesus is. That's who he is. He's love all the way down. And so he looks at him and says, you, I've come for you. Come with me. I've come to be with you. I've come to sit and eat with you. That's why I'm here. I've come for you. And that grace, that undeserved gift of fellowship with God, that changes Zacchaeus forever. Verse 8, Zacchaeus stood up and, and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I'll pay back four times the amount. His life until this point has been take, 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 and now it's give. Because of the gift he's received from the Lord Jesus Christ. The gift of salvation. Today, Jesus says, salvation has come to this house. Today, salvation has come to this man. And that means salvation can come to anyone. Salvation can come to anyone because, because for salvation to come to Zacchaeus is impossible. And Jesus just does it anyway. Because last week we were told Jesus spoke to his disciples and in verse 25 he told them, verse 25 of chapter 18, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. In other words, it is impossible as impossible as fitting a camel through the tiny eye of a needle for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. And here you have Zacchaeus. What's, what are we told about him? He's rich. What happens? He enters into the kingdom of God. It is absolutely impossible and Jesus just does it anyway. Because that's what he came to do. Jesus is in the business of saving people who can't save themselves, of saving people who are too far gone, who are too far lost, who are beyond all help, beyond all hope. And Jesus says, I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to love you anyway. I'm going to welcome you anyway. Salvation has come for those who are lost. Jesus says himself, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save the lost. There is no one, no one who is beyond his reach. If you're here today and you're just here to see, Jesus says, I see you. I've come for you. I want to know you. If you've received that grace, if you know that divine, completely undeserved welcome, well, do you see that your entire life is an impossibility without God? Every act of repentance, every step of faith, every moment of transformation, every step forward you take is a gift. It's impossible without God, but God does it anyway because he loves you. 
Salvation has come to those who are lost. And we still get lost. We still go our own way. We still follow our own desires. We don't have to despair. Just seek Jesus. Jesus, I want to see you. I'm desperate to see you. And Jesus stops and he sees us. And he says, I've come for you. Let's go together. Let's sit and eat together. Salvation has come to those who cannot see. And salvation has come to those who are lost. And yet salvation is yet to come. Salvation has come and is yet to come. We have been rescued in Christ and yet we await rescue from this world coloured by darkness and sin. The kingdom of God has come in Christ. It's in our midst and yet it is yet to come in all its fullness when Christ returns. That's what Advent is all about. Living between the once and future comings of the Lord Jesus Christ. And in the last part of today's passage, Jesus shows us how to live in that in-between. We're to serve our saviour. We're to serve our saviour. Jesus tells us a parable. A man of noble birth, sounds like Jesus, goes away like Jesus to become king, to return as king one day like Jesus. And in the meantime, he gives um, his servants a minor each, which is about seven or eight grand in today's money. It's a chunky sum and says, put this money to work until I come back. Two good servants do exactly what Jesus says. They put the money to work. They use it. And by the time the king comes back, it's multiplied five, ten times over. And they're rewarded. A third servant doesn't listen, doesn't obey, takes the money that the, the king has given him, wraps it up in a cloth and hides it to keep it safe. And so when the king returns, there's no more money. It's just the money that it was to start with. And the king looks at him and says, well, I'm taking that off you and give it to the guy who did what I said. Everything we have is a gift entrusted to us by our king, the Lord Jesus, until he returns. Absolutely everything. All of our time, all of our money, all of our energy, all of our relationships, all of our, our salvation itself, our knowledge of God, all of it, it's all a gift entrusted to us, entrusted to us with a purpose for us to put it to work for him, to use it for him, for the growth of his kingdom. That's what good servants do. They put to work what they've been given to care for and to use. Let me give you an example as I stand at the front of this astonishingly beautiful church building, decked out in all of the Christmas finery, thanks to everyone who helped yesterday, right? Christmas is this, still this, this gospel crater in our culture that's left this huge mark and gives us an incredible opportunity to grow the kingdom. 
right? So I was at a wedding um, three weeks back with some guys from uni, and basically before I'd even mentioned it, they said, um, oh yeah, do you guys, you guys doing carol services again? You got, when, when are your carol services, right? These are guys 11 months of the year, humanly speaking, they're never going to come to church. God can do what he wants, but like, they're not interested. They're not hungry, but they want to come to carol services. That's crazy, isn't it? What an opportunity. So, so, so will we put what God has given us to use to grow his kingdom, to seize that opportunity? Will we use the time that God's given us to pray? Gathering this Wednesday night prayer gathering, but praying each day for people who we love, who we care about, who we know, who don't know Jesus. Please, Father, bring them to carols. Please, Father, bring them to faith. We'll use our money. Will we spend our money to build relationships, to spend time with people. It's expensive in London to go out and hang out with people at Christmas. Will we sacrificially go because we want to spend time with people, we want to get to know them, we want to invite them? Will we actually take a risk? Right, that's what's going on in investing. You take a risk. We take a risk when we invite someone. It's not a very big risk. What's the worst that can happen? The worst that can happen is they say no and it's a slightly awkward conversation, but it stops me. If I'm honest, will we take a risk? Will we use what we have to serve the Lord Jesus Christ? Because if we do, who knows what God could do? A 500% or a 1,000% return is not normal. That's the point. This is not a God who works by normal. This is not a God who works by usual. Who knows what God could do? But if we, if we don't, if we take all the gifts that God has given us, everything we have, and keep them to ourselves, then Jesus says we've got to ask ourselves whether we really understand who God is and what he's done. Whether we've actually grasped our salvation. Because <laughs> in the parable, the, the, the wicked servant, right, he, 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 he looks at the guy who gave him seven, eight grand and says with a straight face... I knew you were a hard man. You take out what you did not pay in and reap what you did not sow. He's got the king all wrong. He doesn't serve his, the king because he doesn't trust the king. He doesn't trust his character. He doesn't trust his goodness. He doesn't trust his generosity. We have no excuse to do the same. We know our king. We know what he's like. We know what Jesus is like. Jesus is not a hard man. He's not a hard man. He's a man who, when he hears the desperate cry of a beggar, stops and says, what can I do for you? Jesus is not a man who takes out what he did not put in. He's a man who who looks at someone's life, who is take, 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 and gives him everything. Jesus is a man who unflinchingly sets his face towards Jerusalem and will not be turned aside from his own torture and death for you and for me, for our salvation. That's our king. We serve him with everything we have.
But as I close, that brings us back to the start, because that's impossible. (laughs) To take everything we have, all of our energy, all of our money, all of our time, everything we've got, and say, yeah, Jesus, I give it all to you. I put you, I want to serve you with everything. That's impossible. We can't do that on our own. But we're not on our own. Salvation has come to those who cannot see. To those who just cry out for mercy to the Lord Jesus Christ. Salvation has come to those who are lost and just want to see Jesus. And as we seek him, as we cry out to him, Jesus sees us. He stops. And he answers our prayers. He gives us eyes to see him, hearts to love him above all else. And so in his strength, we're able to use everything we have to serve him today and tomorrow and the day after and the day after and the day after and the day after. Walking on the road step by step until we go to be with him or he returns. Let's pray together. Father of mercy, we praise you for Jesus Christ. We praise you that in him salvation has come to those who cannot see to those who are lost. Lord, we cry out to you. Open our eyes. Have mercy on us. We want to see you. We want to love you with all we are. Serve you with all we have. Amen.